Hey everyone, Josh Feldman here, your host of the One Day or Day One podcast. The podcast where we interview individuals about their life transformation. We'll talk about where they were, where they've gone, and what it looked like along the journey. We appreciate you joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, everybody, I have Jamie Rogers with me, um, a good friend, business partner, uh, real estate agent here in the local West Michigan area. And uh, so he has agreed to join the episode today. Uh, podcast is one day or day one. And uh, we're really going to talk today about what his one day was, right? We all can think about something in our life where, you know, one day we're going to do this, one day we're going to do that. So Today, Jamie's going to share what his one day was and what it looked like on day one and what it looks like today, so beyond that day. Um, so, Jamie, thank you so much for, for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Jamie, let's just kind of start. Um, if you could just give us kind of a history of, you know, what, what was that one day item for you and give us some backstory to kind of how you got to that point. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> to be completely honest, um, I was the party guy. Uh, I enjoyed partying, I enjoyed drinking, and I did drugs too. Um, and that took me on a, a certain path that wasn't what I was hoping for. Um, you know, it really veered me off course, for lack of a better term. Um, I would say that there was a moment that I can remember specifically where it was kind of my my day one. Every day prior to that was a one day. You know, like, tomorrow I'm going to do better. Tomorrow I'm sure. not going to drink. Tomorrow I'm not going to use. Um, but that went on for yeah. a long time. So where where did you live? Like, walk us through where you grew up and kind of maybe your background a little bit. Yeah, I as to what kind of led you to, you know, that that stage that you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I came from a terrible family. Um, you know, my family life wasn't perfect, but I lived in a good home. I had loving parents, and um, I have another younger sister, a few years younger than me, and I did really well in school, excelled at sports. That was kind of, I feel like, probably what kept me from down spiraling sooner was my involvement in sports and just how well I did in them. But, um, yeah, once I went to college, that was kind of where things took off. You know, I just, I didn't, I had some scholarships to go play soccer. I decided not to do that because I wanted to go to like a bigger school. I wanted to party. Sure. And so that's what I did. I mean, I had a great time there. I'll sit here and I won't lie and say that I didn't have great times. Sure. Um, through my struggles, but, you know, eventually it got to a point where it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I'd say pretty much all of my twenties into my early thirties, I was just chasing the thrill. Um, you know, it went from party guy to party too hard to now I need to party and now I can't control my partying. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was hard. I mean, I look back on my life now and I, I think, man, how am I alive still? Sure. Honestly, uh, things got pretty <laughs> rough there for a while. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've always had a supportive family. Everyone was always there for me. They wanted to see me get better. But, I mean, I can say, <coughs> excuse me, like, other people can't want it for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't ever hold any of my struggles against my family or anyone. I, w- I was making choices for myself that put me in the positions that I was in. And I had to learn the lessons that I did. Um, and so I would say... Well, I was 30 years old, 30, 31 years old. Um, yeah, when you when you live like I lived, like you kind of forget the years, to be honest with sure. you. That's how bad it is. Um, things got really bad for me. Um, I was drinking every day. I was using any drug, heroin, mm-hmm. uh, cocaine, crack. I was smoking crack, um, smoking weed. I really just kind of did whatever I needed to do to get through the day. Um, somehow I was able to like hold jobs together at times to fund these habits. Um, and I will say like, I came from a family where I knew of God, mm-hmm. never had a personal relationship with him. And so that was always like tucked in there somewhere, but I just wanted to live how I wanted to live. And so I remember it wasn't that long ago, five years ago, um, I'd lost my job. I was pretty much homeless. I was living in some rundown motel and I was spending the last bit of money that I had to stay there and to buy heroin and crack and booze. It became your priority. Yeah. Essentially. That's like how I was existing. That was it. I woke up in the morning, I went and got more, I did it all day, all night sometimes, and then I woke up the next morning if I even slept, Mm -hmm. and I did it all over again. Yeah. Now, so kind of leading up to, so when you, you know, you went to college, you said that's kind of where it started. So did you have new friends in college that kind of brought you on that journey, or were these past friends? Like, how did... How did you kind of find yourself walking down that path? No, I I wouldn't say any of the friends that I had in college really got me on that path. It was always drinking in college. I mean, yeah, drugs here and there, dabbling, but no one ever really was introducing me to, like, hard drugs or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I eventually got into them because I was drinking so much that I couldn't handle the withdrawal of alcohol. Gotcha. And so I would use drugs to kind of counteract that. And that's really kind of how I got into that stuff. Um, alcohol, alcohol withdrawals, rough. Yeah. Um, you can die from it. And so there was a few times that I thought I was going to. And so, you know, the w- yeah. And it's a tough, I mean, I've never been in that situation, so I can't really relate. But I would have to imagine, you know, as you're going through the withdrawal, like your body naturally just wants more, but you know, if you introduce yeah. more, it, it, you struggle with that limit. Right. And that's, yeah. The alcohol withdrawal. I mean, in the beginning stages, it's a drink does help, you know, well, mm-hmm. temporarily, but I was getting to a point where even more drinking was only making it worse. Hmm. Um, and so it was like, there was times where I had to, I mean, I've been to countless rehabs, countless detoxes. Um, and it got to a point where I had to go to a detox because if you don't safely detox off of alcohol, you can die. Your mm-hmm. body will seize and 
you'll die. And so there was times when I had to go to detox because for my safety, honestly. Um, so yeah, it was ugly stuff. Mm -hmm. So now that was all, what, what college did you go to? I went to James Madison University down in Virginia. Okay. And before that, you grew up in? Just outside of Philadelphia. I uh, okay. went to a high school, Strathaven High School. You know, I did what every high school kid did, partied sure. a little bit. But like yep. I said, I mean, I was active in sports. And so, you know, I didn't party too hard. Mm -hmm. I didn't really get involved in drinking until I was probably probably my junior, senior year of high school. Smoking a little bit of weed here and there. Um, but yeah, the hard drugs and stuff took, you know, I got a taste of it in college, but then once I graduated and moved back home is when I, I understood that I had a real drinking problem. And then I started getting introduced to the other stuff and kind of just took off from there. Yeah. So at what point would you say that you kind of had that moment of saying, you know, one day, I got to make this change. And, and what got you from saying one day to today's going to be day one? Like, I have to make a change today. And this is, <clears throat> it's non-negotiable. Yeah. I mean, I would say for years, I told myself one day. Mm -hmm. um, and usually it was like the next day I thought I would, I would do better. And there were days that I did do better. Um, but like, I think when it comes to any real change in someone's life, <coughs> excuse me, um, there's like a heart change that has to take place. And I don't think my heart was where it needed to be in order for mm -hmm. me to make the changes that I truly wanted to make. And so I eventually always went back to what was comfortable and that was drinking and drugging. Um, I mean, I overdosed and was Narcan back to life four different times. Um, and so even that wasn't enough. I would say the moment that changed everything was <coughs> to go back to that, you know, I was sleeping in that motel all day, every day, drinking, drugging. And I remember laying there, it was probably like three o'clock in the morning. I was high, I was drunk. And I knew in that moment, I, s I knew that the only thing or person I should say that could set me free from it was Jesus. And I remember I cried out and I just, I remember just thinking to myself, I'm going to die here. I didn't talk to my family in weeks. Um, nobody knew where I was. It was like the loneliest feeling in the world. And, uh, it's humbling for a man to be in a place where you want more than anything in the world to not do something and not have control over it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I cried out to God that night and I just said, God, like, if you can get me out of this one more time, like, I'll serve you the rest of my life. <clears throat> and I would love to sit here and say that that was the next day was the day that I stopped everything. It wasn't. It took me a few weeks. Like, I was battling. I was going through withdrawal. Um, I went to a detox center, and uh, I remember my aunt and uncle that live here in Michigan, um, 
he's a pastor and they've been believers their whole lives. And he reached out to me and told me about a program in West Michigan called uh, West Michigan Adult and Teen Challenge. It was a Christian program, one year long. And uh, I knew like that was it, like I had to go. Mm-hmm. It was either that or I was gonna die. <coughs> so uh, that's what I did. I remember it was what, September 18th, tw- 2019. Flew out to Detroit. My aunt and uncle picked me up and took me there. And uh, I went to Teen Challenge for one year. And uh, it was just the tool that allowed me to establish a relationship with Christ that I never knew was imaginable. And, um, you know, yeah, that, that was just it right there. That was what changed everything. And, like, it was Jesus. I mean, I know... Without that, I'd be dead, for sure. Yeah, that's a great testament. And I appreciate you sharing, too, because, you know, obviously I can see you're emotional, and, you know, even on my end... It's hard you know, to relive those moments sometimes, yeah. you know, because no. it's very vivid. I can't, yeah. Um, so it sounds like you had family here in Michigan that was also kind of a part, you know, that, that program, and, and they were a part of you coming, you know, back here. So have you been here ever since that program? Yeah, I, and the funny thing is, is when I went to that program, I thought, oh, I'm going to go back to Pennsylvania. Not that I wanted to go back to take part in my old life, just that's what I was used to. I wanted to go back home, and I remember saying to my aunt one day, it was like, I was three months into the program. She came and picked me up one day. I got like one day out with family, and she was like, you should stay here in Michigan. I was like, it would take an act of God to keep me here in Michigan. <laughs> Here I am, you know, um, and it's been amazing. I mean, I went from homeless, hopeless, powerless, alcoholic, drug addict to like full of hope. I have a beautiful wife at home with two beautiful kids, a career that I could never dream of. I mean, I couldn't do that on my own. Right. I tried. Mm-hmm. That's great. Sorry. No. You're getting emotional. No, that's, I don't blame you. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a big change that you've gone through and you've got a great support system now. And the biggest thing is you, you've already said you have hope, right? In in Christ. And, you know, for anybody that's listening to this right now that doesn't have that, I mean, you know, that's, there's, there is hope in Christ. And the moment you find that and you, you can come to terms with that and, and accept that into your life, big things can change. And like you said, it doesn't always happen overnight. The struggles don't go away. Mm-mm. We they live in a harder, sinful actually. world. And yeah, exactly, right? The devil works in overtime because he knows, right? Mm-hmm. He, he has to in that situation. And so, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and it's great to see right now, right? You've, you've went from one day to day one and now, you know, how many years has it been since you've been in that program? It's almost four years now. And almost closing in on it. So coming in on four years, you know, is it still a battle every day? Not every day is easy. I'm not perfect. I mean, like, I have my shortcomings. Um, I think that's the important part about people's stories is that 
and I've seen it so many times. I've had guys that I went through that program with, five or six of them that slept in the same dorm room as them. They're dead. Um, and I think the best thing I could share is that, like, when you stumble or you struggle, like, or you slip up, like, you got to get back up. Um, you've been forgiven. The price has been paid. And so you have to just get back up and keep pushing forward because I think that's the thing that the devil wants to work in that condemnation, you know, like mm -hmm. make you feel like you're a failure, wants you to feel shameful, full of guilt. And uh, that's what kept me in that for a long time is that shame and that guilt and feeling like I didn't deserve a better life, but you do. And so when you stumble or you struggle, you just got to get back up. Yeah. So is there anything else that, you know, you want to, to share with anybody that may be walking down a similar path to what you were walking? And, and I know you kind of just shared that and, you know, you know, keep going and keep yeah. pushing. But, you know, is there anything else that you think would, would really help resonate with them? Man, um, I mean, I, I try not to preach. I don't want to be preaching, you know, like obviously I know who, who set me free was Jesus. And I know that he can do that for anybody. Um, I just like to let my experience, like I lived it. Mm -hmm. I was lost and like now I'm found. And so my experience, like what I'm, everything that I just told you is not a fabrication right. or a lie. Like I lived it and like I sit here before you as like a new man because of Jesus. And so there's no one else out there, not your mom, your dad, your wife, your husband, your kids, like they can't do for you what Jesus can do for you. Right. And so like, if you just are willing to like lay it all down, He'll do it for you too. Yeah. And he can use those around you to help, Yeah, you know, shape you to where you need to go. And, but you ultimately, like you said, you have to sacrifice that. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to take up your cross. Right. Yeah. Amen to that brother. Amen to that. So Jamie, um, tell us, how did you meet your wife? Like when does your wife show up in this picture and, and what, like, are you kind of past some of your, 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 like some of this in the past at that point, or when does she come into the picture? Uh, I met my wife online actually. Um, very common nowadays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, this was after I had graduated teen challenge. I had been out of the program probably three or four months and, um, I met her and I remember our first date was we went to Starbucks, just yeah. grabbed a cup of coffee. I had already shared with her kind of, the background of my story that was always something that I was super adamant about sure. just making sure that I was upfront with people about my struggles because mm -hmm. I wanted to know that if I was gonna take that next step with somebody that they understood that right and that um, well because you have to be careful yeah. what environment yeah, you find yourself in right because yeah, you could exactly. easily fall back into those temptations mm -hmm. and um, yeah I remember we went on our first date at Starbucks we sat there for like four and a half hours at Starbucks and talk. get a couple iced coffees there. Oh yeah. We sat and <laughs> talked for hours and I remember I walked out of that Starbucks and I knew that day 
I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. Wow. And then we got engaged two months later. Really? Well, how long were you talking before? We literally. Before your from, first okay. date. We met in November. Okay. Engaged in January. Yeah. Married in June. First baby on the way, July. <laughs> We've just had our second child. <laughs> so, yeah, we moved quickly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe your wife advice has either out been there for you people. Maybe s- do it a little bit slower than I did. <laughs> I don't take it back for a second. I don't regret a moment of it. Um, you know, I've learned a lot about myself through this process. And that was the one thing I think through all of those struggles that I went through in my life was the one thing that broke me the most was that I wanted more than anything in the world was to be a good husband and a good father. And like, I felt that slipping away Mm. and I thought that I was never going to get that opportunity. And so that has been the greatest gift of all. Mm. Yeah. And two healthy young kids, beautiful, healthy young kids. Yeah. Good looking ones too. Yeah. Yeah, not too shabby. <laughs> Doesn't every parent say that? Me and mom did all right. Hey, you can look at the pictures for yourself, right? <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. So when you shared that story, I mean, what was her reaction to it? She was pretty open about the whole thing. I guess her one question was just like, my wife's not a drinker. Mm-hmm. She'll have a glass of wine every once in a while. Um, but I guess she was just like, so are you like, you don't want me to drink ever? Like, are you comfortable if I were to have a glass of wine around you? And my philosophy on that has always been like, I don't want my past choices to influence anyone else's, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. My struggles are not your struggles. Um, so I was very adamant about that. Like, no, of course I would never, you know? Um, and when you're in a good place, that stuff doesn't matter it's like i'm in a place now where i don't want to drink sure before it was i didn't want to drink but like i kept doing it because you felt you needed it at that point. yeah you know and it was a way for me to escape mm-hmm. you know we all have our our things that we turn to whether maybe it's porn for some guys um, that's like one of the biggest things that we see in, yeah. in, in, communi- in the world today with, with men, young men is porn and just the world that we live in that just promotes those things. Um, it's all about self. Yeah, that's it is all about self. It's all about so self. It's so easy to just turn to the things that point to us mm-hmm. when you're struggling and what's going to make you feel better in that moment. But they're just temporary, like so small. Um, you know, I learned that lesson the hard way. And so I just hope that maybe today I was able to share a little bit of hope with someone that's maybe your thing's not drugs and alcohol, right. you know, whatever it is, um, you know, there's hope and like reach out and talk about it. I mean, you gotta be willing to accept the help. That's what it took. You know, when my aunt and uncle called me about going to that place, it was, that was like the phone call that changed everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hadn't talked to them in like 15 years. Really? Wow. So this wasn't like they were super close to you. No. I mean, amazing people. It wasn't like we had a bad relationship. Just sure. just wasn't a very darkness prominent Darkness and light don't exist. Yeah. Coexist. You know, they were living in the light. 
and also a thousand miles away from me. I'm yeah. living in darkness. I'm not even talking to my own parents, let alone my aunt and uncle that are born again Christians yeah. living like for the Lord. Yeah. Right. Well, and especially because in that moment you were already you, you mentioned you already felt like you were living in guilt and that you felt. You oh, know, yeah. You I was couldn't. ashamed, like disgusted with myself. So then with your uncle being a pastor. Right. I mean, yeah. was there even a moment where because they called you, right? Yeah, when he called me and told me about the program, all he said was, I have a 12-month Christian program. That's all I know about it right now. And I was like, I'm in. But He's like, I want you to pray about it. Yeah. And I did, but I knew right then and there, like, this is... Yeah, there's a reason why my it uncle... was hard. That year was 15 hard. years called. Yeah. Really hard. Did you ever when hesitate not picking up the phone? No. I didn't. I was so desperate at that point. Um, I would have... That was like the first time in my life my family all came together as like one and we're like enough's enough like either yeah. you're gonna do this or you're not and like sure. if you don't then yeah kind of yeah i tried to leave that program multiple times I remember i tried to leave in my first week um for anyone that's not has not grown up in a church for lack of a better term, I'll say it was very animated, mm -hmm. spirit-filled. Sure. So I wasn't used to that, and it was overwhelming for me. And I thought I was like, I'm in a cult or something. These people are insane. <laughs> sure. you got to get me out of here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I went through some stuff there. Um, it was hard. But it was just all refining process. Yeah. Hmm. So now today if you think about your everyday life right you're a real estate agent you're on the road a lot you're married you've got two young some of the best looking kids right as I you mean, would I say think so <laughs> i'm biased but yeah okay. right <laughs> those are your words i mean because mine are the best looking. yeah <laughs> i think they're gq babies but <laughs> yeah gq the next gerber baby right uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no baby food out there right yeah or is that just formula <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. now we're going off here. Are there situations today that you just absolutely do everything you can to avoid to make sure that you don't, or, or do you not even find yourself in situations anymore where like that temptation I would, be, would be Everything greater? I've just told everyone here would be a lie if I sat here and said that I haven't had struggles since. There's been some times where I've had drinks um, it has been nothing like what my past was, but like, it's something that I've stumbled with at times. Um, I think that's been a part of the process for me, like getting to a better place. Um, as far as situations that I avoid, I mean, I'm not in a place in my life anymore where I'm tempted sure. by that stuff. Um, but I don't want to surround myself with just a huge party of drinking. Like those aren't my interests anymore. Mm -hmm. I have kids, a family, like the things I'm pursuing are different. Not that I judge anyone sure. for doing that. Yeah. Um, but there's no reason for me to be there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's certain circumstances, situations that I'll try to avoid just because there's, there's no good reason for me to be there. Yeah. And like you said, you're you're at a different phase in life than when you were in that point yeah. right and, and had you never left that point 
you wouldn't be. Well, there's a saying, you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut, right? right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. you could apply that to that stuff, you know? Like, I don't want to, you mess with fire long enough, you get burnt. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to play that game. So, if I can avoid it, I will. There you go. So now, if anybody's listening to this and they want to talk through their scenario with you, is that something you're open to? Absolutely. I feel like God used... He didn't bring me out of what I went through to not share it with other people. I think that's the most beautiful thing about this mm-hmm. um, is that now I'm able to share that hope with others and love on them and, and show them that there is hope. So, yeah, if there's anyone out there that wants to reach out, you can find me on Facebook, Jamie Rogers. Um, Instagram is the Realtor Dad. The Realtor Dad. Yeah, Realtor dad uh happy to talk to anyone about it and um I, I yeah absolutely and, and we'll include um that information in the yeah. in the description as well so people can pull it up there but uh, well good well i appreciate you joining appreciate you i know me. it's not Always easy to share that uh, but story, it's an honor but. and it's you know i'm giving glory to to him and i'll always share my testimony if you know if he's getting the glory for it and i'm not here without him so I'm always going to point people to the to the one. Give credit where credit's due, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, be sure to hit the subscribe button, um, share this content, and come back for more. Uh, we're going to have more speakers um, share what their one day and day one journey was and is. Um, and uh, can't wait to have you join us on future episodes. Thanks so much. Thanks, Josh.